Um, I got this really important text in the first service, right, right as I was coming up for the first service. I figure I'll share it with you guys too. Uh, and it's from Renee McLean. If you know Renee, she's serious all the time. And it says, rumor has it, the gluten-free crackers are running people off. Better throw some oyster crackers in that pan. Josh Moore wants graham crackers. And apparently we're taking orders now. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that in the first service. And uh, just so you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Like, you know, along the way... Like things that you never thought that you would get to deal with as a pastor, or I didn't even know what a gluten, I still, I'm not real sure what a gluten is still now, just to be honest with you, but I know that there are people that have an allergy to it, so we can be sensitive to that, there's no problem with that, but, but, just, but just, I mean, you know, for a little tiny you know, thing, it's kind of like, man, it's kind of crazy. So when we first introduced that we were going to do a gluten-free station, which it's all gluten-free now, it's no, there's no one, one gluten-free station, but you know, when we first introduced we're going to do a gluten-free station, like it, when we talked about it in staff meeting, like Nathan and I both sat back and we were like, whoever gets to announce that one, we're going to be laughing at you that day, okay? Just so you know, you know, we're just, you know it's going to be, we're going to have a little fun with it. And, and no, no kidding. Like, th- these are the things that pastors get to deal with that, like, you guys never know about. Like, we, we've had no less than three in-depth conversations about the crackers since, since the whole gluten. And, 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 in part, and in part of it, part of it is this. Part of it is, like, we've got people, and, and some of you are probably here, and you're hiding, and you won't let anybody know who you are, I know. Uh, but uh, we've got people that, like, they have phobias of like, you know, beyond the gluten thing, they're not, even, they're not even worried about the gluten thing, but they have like phobias of like somebody might touch the juice, you know? And so we've had discussions, multiple discussions, on how big the cracker pieces need to be. You know, it's like it's going back and forth. Well, we got too big. Well, we got to go a little smaller. We got to, you know, utilize. You know, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I can't believe we're having all these conversations about crackers. I was like, just give me some saltines and let's get some chili and go, you know? <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, that's uh, it's it's been fun. So, but anyway, we're glad to provide that. It's just it's it's funny. So we've we've had funny we've had fun with it. And Renee said something to me about you know you know she's like I'm not sure if I like these new crackers or whatever. And I made a joke. She's like she said she said we need to get some graham crackers. I was like I like those little oyster crackers. So anyways, that's that's where some of that came from. But anyway, feared you guys might enjoy knowing a little bit of the behind the scenes. Uh, there's there's so so many things. You just don't know. There's just so many things. So uh, if Ben was here, you know, we could definitely tell some stories about so many things. Uh, he, bring, he brings, come to, come to staff meeting sometime. <laughs> Wednesday mornings, 8 a.m., which actually, like our services, ends up being like 8.30 or something, you know. We actually start meeting or whatever. But anyway, and then Ben brings a chemistry set to fix coffee. I mean, I'm not kidding you. He's got he's got like a Bunsen burner thing, and it sets up on top of this thing. And he's got beakers and all this. I mean, it, it's just like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And people and people walk in. The people, you know, come in. They need help. They whatever. And they walk down there and they see this stuff setting on that old that old organ bench that sets down there in the end in front of the couch. And, you know, we'll set stuff on. You know, drinks or whatever. And, and, and that's where all that stuff's sitting. And they'll come in and they'll kind of like look at that stuff and they're kind of like looking at us like, 
what are y'all cooking up in here? So it's uh, never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> Cheatham doesn't need any more of that. Uh, man, and, I, and I'll tell you, we actually talked about that in staffs uh, Wednesday. That, I mean, we, we are in, we are, if you didn't know, we are in an epidemic right now. Uh, with the drug use and what is going on, and I mean, people that are, uh, you know, I mean, we, we lost somebody that has been coming to our church, you know, recently, uh, fent, you know, fentanyl laced, whatnot, you know, and all this stuff, and uh, I mean, it's it's a problem, and 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 so here's so here's I, I'm just I, I bring that up to say this, you know, I told the guys that over the next several weeks I was going to use kind of a couple of these off weeks to just kind of set some trajectory for us as a church and to, for us to be thinking about some things. And, and, and like it or not, that's the culture that God has placed our church in. And so for us, we, we've got to ask ourselves questions like, how can we minister there? Uh, and I don't have the answers to those questions, to be honest with you. I, but I just told them, I said, we, we, just, we need to be thinking about that. We need to be aware of that. Uh, we need to be praying about it. We, you know, possibly we can help uh, local authorities or whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, but but that's that's real and that's that's going on all around us, um, and that fits in with what I'm talking about today. Uh, I'm talking about today uh, our neighbors and 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 some of that. So uh, before I get into that, let me just mention a couple things that are kind of on on the table right now for our church that we're just praying about, and I'm sharing them with you. And again, I told them I was going to share some things that are just kind of going on with the church that I just feel like the church, all of us, need to know about that we can be praying about you know how to how to figure some of these things out um our our church body has some needs uh and, and like you know any like anybody uh financial needs are just always there there's always something that you know fi- you need you have a financial need for uh and and that's true for our church and and so you know i'm not asking for money i'm just saying hey let's let's you know make you guys aware let's all be praying uh, of how god might provide for this and at a point yeah we'll probably you know, be talking about, you know, how can we, how can we attack these things money-wise together uh, to try to make some of them happen. A couple things that I just want to make you aware of that you can be praying about, uh, that needs that we have. One is, is and I brought this up before, but one is that we, we really feel uh, like it's important for us to uh, try to install a complete security system uh, that would uh, put cameras in all the rooms. This would help protect our kids. Uh, it would give obviously video footage of you know if anything bad ever did happen. Uh, it just it just it just it's good for everybody. It protects our kids' workers. It protects uh, the kids and 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 hopefully is a deterrent. Uh, unfortunately, in this day and age, uh, a church with security becomes just a church that is you know a deterrent uh, for people that are going to try to find you know somewhere to do whatever they're going to do anyway. Uh, and so it becomes a deterrent. We already have a security team. I think everybody knows that. Um, and they're, they're very active, and they are here all the time, and they are eyes on everything going on all the time, more so than anybody would really realize they've actually been to some trainings and done some things. So um, anyway, grateful for them. Uh, but we, we, we're just praying about it. It's, and we've got a guy in our church that works for a security company. He's actually given us some pricing, it, and, and even at cost, with him trying to help him say, hey, you guys could install it. We'd kind of help maybe show you how to do it or whatever. But uh, it's, still, it's still a chunk of change. 
Um, and then secondly, another thing, cameras also for in here uh, to actually uh, record and, and stream live you know, our services that we do on Sunday mornings and that kind of thing. Um, and, and reason being is, is we, just, we just have we have a bigger following than probably anybody would ever think when it comes to things like our podcast. Uh, and we, and we, we do some Facebook Live stuff. We're streaming Facebook Live right now, I think. Um, and so, but you know, we would like to have it where that stuff is always accessible for people to get to it. And like it or not, people will watch a video before they'll listen to a podcast a lot of times. And so if we could make video available, and uh, we have people here in our church who are, that we're blessed with, that uh, that's, their, that's their forte, that's their thing, like Jerry and uh, and you know that you know we want to we want to proceed with doing that stuff again. It's just money, and so. Uh, but here's the beauty of that: that that's you know when we see that through, I mean that's like a whole new avenue for the gospel going out. And you may think, well, who? I mean, people really watch that stuff. Let me let me tell you, I have people that who follow my podcast. I've never met in my life from other countries, and 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 I, pastors even. There's a, there's a pastor in South America. Uh, that uh, has uh, now gotten on Facebook and found me, and we've emailed for years, but he has followed what's going on and has been listening to messages and so on and so forth for years. And uh, now he's on Facebook, and he found me a few weeks ago. He, he was messaging me two days ago, uh, you know, wanting to know how things are going and you know, everything that's happening, and he's sharing pictures of what's happening at their church and you know, just excited about different things. And uh, but, but then, I mean, even, even just, I mean, just people that I would never dream are listening to a podcast, childhood friends of mine. I've, I've had, you know, you know, you know, when we're hanging out and seeing each other for the first time in a long time and I'll make mention of something and start to explain it. And they're like, Oh no, I know all about that. And I'm like, how do you know about that? And they're like, I listen to podcasts. And I'm like, What? Like, why do you do that? You know, what I, mean? It's, I mean, that's my response. I'm like, why would you want to listen to that? But, but obviously, you know, it's, uh, it's a good thing. It's the gospel. And, and obviously, that's good. It's just I don't know why anybody would want to listen to me. But you're here. And so that includes all of you. So I don't know. Something's wrong with you people. But uh, it's, uh, anyway, it's, it, it is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way for us to, uh, to uh, put the gospel out there in a new form. And uh, so we're praying about that. We're just praying. It's money. You know, it's, you know, you're probably looking at, you know, between those two things, probably like 20 grand uh, or something like that of, you know, equipment that we would need to buy to make that stuff happen. And so we're just praying through it. And we want to be faithful. We don't want to spend money. Uh, you know, uh, from the church and that kind of thing. But we want to be faithful to it. So uh, we'll be talking about that. We got other stuff coming up. I'll be talking about some other things over the weeks to come and that kind of thing, building stuff and all that too. But uh, anyway, just uh, just things to be thinking about, things to be praying about. Uh, praise God, we're at a church where uh, there's some amazing things going on, and uh, that we want to try to try to do some of that. So it's good stuff. Um, so that all kind of leads to what we're talking about today. Um, we're talking today about grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Now, this is like the most simple you know, message that, that we could probably have, but, but I'll, I'll just tell you, I, I could tell leaving from first service today, coming out of the first service, I could tell that like it, it, just, it just mowed all of us down. I mean, it just hammered us. And so um, this morning, I just encourage you just to be open to what the Lord wants to say to your heart, uh, what He wants to say through His Word. Um, and and I, I think that think that we'll all be challenged by this. In fact, you got a Bible? Go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They would love to bring you one. And uh, if you will throw your hand up in the air, uh, they can probably throw it to you like a roll at Lambert's. Okay. 
I don't know if they can or not, but we'll see. You know, it'd be, it'd be good. But anyway, no, seriously, we'll follow along with us. We're going to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, and um, in this passage of Scripture, we have Paul uh, writing to Timothy, this young minister. Uh, and as, and as he's writing to Timothy, he's, he's explaining some things about himself. To give a little background to Paul, um, Paul was a, at one point in time a Christian killer. Okay, he was Paul was Paul was a warrior. He was working for the for the Jewish government. He was he was actually you know when when these people came around when Christ came and and all these people started to follow Christ and they started to preach Christ and explain the gospel. It was this new truth that made a bunch of that you know a bunch of those people, especially in government officials and that kind of thing, just very nervous. And so uh, with them being really nervous, you know, they set people out to try to shut these people up. And so uh, Paul was on the forefront of that. Paul was one of these people that was leading people to literally hunt people down that were teaching about Jesus and to literally shut them up, and even if that meant to kill them. And so uh, if you look, in fact, in Scripture, if you ever heard of the stoning of Stephen, Stephen the martyr who got stoned to death, and where, where the term comes, you know, will you know, cast the first stone and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, Stephen, the guy that gets, it's, gets killed in that, that instance, if you pay real close attention and you read the entire passage around that story, you'll see Paul is there. And he's basically standing in the corner holding everybody's coats like, hey, I'll take that while you're, while you're taking care of this guy for us. You know, he's, you know he's, he's so high up at that point that he's kind of like all these other people doing his dirty work. Uh, but I mean, he's leading the charge. And so uh, that's Paul, who wrote half the New Testament. You know, and I mean, that, that, I mean that comes to a realness for us. This morning, I think, and, and we're going to see that in this passage, which he's talking about to Timothy, where God took somebody who was awful and doing awful things and completely changed his life, completely changed his life. So here's where my heart's been over this past week as I've been thinking about the upcoming week. I was thinking about Thinking about Halloween and thinking about just, you know, what I see when I see Halloween is a couple things. I see, uh, I see my kids get to dress up and have fun uh, and, and eat some candy. And then I get to eat maybe a little candy too. I don't know, uh, you know, Tootsie Rolls or whatever. By the way, somebody was dissing on Tootsie Rolls on Facebook this week. That is not okay, okay? Like Tootsie Roll is a stable, staple deal, and like we're keeping it around, all right? So somebody was like, don't, you know, nobody wants your Tootsie Rolls. I want your Tootsie Rolls, okay? So don't be, don't be dissing on Tootsie Rolls now. I'm going to get after you. So anyway, um, so I see, I, see, you know, I see the stuff that everybody sees with Halloween, you know, decorate and have fun. And, can, and you may not celebrate Halloween, not, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to celebrate Halloween, but here's, here's the biggie that I see when I see Halloween, because basically, like it or not, whether we want to celebrate it or not, uh, this is something that our culture has engaged with uh, and, and is engaged with and has become one of the biggest holidays that there is, whether we like it or not. And I see opportunity for the gospel. That's the most important thing that I see when I see Halloween. I see opportunity for the gospel. I see the opportunity for us as neighbors to invite people to our homes. 
If you live in a neighborhood, you've probably got like a neighborhood Facebook page where everybody talks about whose dogs barking in the middle of the night and stuff, you know? Um, you know, what, what an awesome opportunity if you live in a neighborhood like that, that you could, you could go on there today and say, Hey, you know, Tuesday night, we're going to, we're going to fix up some chili and we're going to, you know, whatever. And we're going to have people over at the house. And if you want this to be your last stop, we would love for you to come in with your kids and we'll host people until this time or whatever. And, and just, you know, hang out you're like, well, Chris, why, why do we want to do that? I don't want people to come to my house mess up my stuff and eat my food, you know. Well, here's why. Jesus. Jesus. People need Jesus. Our neighbors need Jesus. And so, as I've been praying about this message this morning and been thinking about it, really kind of what's been on my heart has been, you know, that for so many of us, we have these people that are neighbors in our lives. In fact, I, I got to, you know, almost kind of wanted to like go to scripture and like find a passage that was like great of like, here's two neighbors that weren't getting along and then God intervenes and then everything's hunky dory or whatever. And, and that's not there and, that, and that's okay. Uh, there probably is something similar to that. But at the end of the day, I just got to, I just, as I was, as I was thinking about neighbors and praying about neighbors, I just, I began remembering over and over this commandment, the great commandment that Jesus gives. And we see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see Jesus give in the New Testament. And it is this, that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And in the midst of this commandment, before that commandment, when Jesus sets down and teaches this commandment, right before that, there is, because it came from the Old Testament, and they're talking about it, they're conversing about it, and there's a guy who's asking Jesus about this, and he's a lawyer, okay? He's a lawyer, so he's trying to get the spin on what does this statement mean. And he asks Jesus, he's like, so who's my neighbor? You know, he's almost like, almost like he's got Jesus on the stand or something, you know, and, uh, and he's like, who's, you know, who's my neighbor? And Jesus answers this question with an understanding that we have that it is the people that we have in our lives. And it does include the people that live next door to us and the people that live behind us and the people that live across the street from us. But it also includes the people that we work with and the people that we play with and the people that we are related to. Don't hate me, okay? So, with that in mind, I felt like it was important for us today to come back to the gospel and talk about grace and mercy and to see who Paul was, and to see what he says to Timothy here that I think might rattle our cages a little bit, and maybe, I'm hoping, maybe, maybe put us on mission with the people that God has given as the neighbors in our lives. Let's look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And he says this, he says, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. So Paul recognizes Christ has called me to this. This is like, this is like him saying, I'm called. I, I know I'm called and I'm grateful that Jesus has called me. But then he goes on, he says, though formerly, verse 13, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. He was an enemy, okay? 
but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So Paul's setting the stage here for Timothy and for whoever else would read this for them to know he owns who he used to be. Now, for a lot of us, we don't want to own who we used to be. I, I, know, I know a lot of people like that. And some days I don't want to own some of the things that I used to do either. But the truth is that Paul is sitting here and he's basically saying, so here's who I was, and Jesus has saved me. He, in fact, he goes and, and, he, and says this, says in verse 14, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me, with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Even though, he says right before that, I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. So he's, he's recognizing grace and he's recognizing mercy. Now th these, are, these are words that we use a lot. We don't think a whole lot about like, what they really mean. Uh, let me, let me kind of help us a little bit with that. Grace, you know, amazing grace. Grace is, is this undeserved favor, okay? Undeserved favor that, I mean, like, that God literally is looking upon us and He's, and he's, and he's like seeing us and he, he is favorable toward us. Of course, you got to remember, He created us and He created all of us with a purpose, okay? And, and so that anybody would believe in Him, would trust in Him uh, through what He's done, through the blood of Jesus on the cross, His Son dying for us, that we could be saved. And that then we could in turn glorify him that people would know who, who God is, who Jesus is, because they know us. And so, you know, there's this, there's this whole piece of this here where I think that we can see God is, 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 has done this great work in Paul's life. And he's recognizing, I was a terrible person and God changed me. Not, I was a terrible person and God said, I'm kicking you to the curb, You're, I'm done with you. You know, you're killing my people, you've done, you know, we don't, we don't see like God get all bitter and angry and all this, we just, we just see God just, just basically take Paul, go check it out sometime, the, the conversion of Saul, who is Paul, uh, you know, he basically just plucks Paul out of life at that moment, blinds him literally, and saves him by showing him who Jesus was, and all these crazy things that happen right there after that, and Paul's like, I'm sold, I'm in. I'm done. Please forgive me. And he's recognizing here, God has had mercy on me despite that. Now, now here's, here's where I'm at with my relationship with Jesus, is that anytime I spend time with the Lord, if I really get to spend time with the Lord, I'm just telling you, I immediately begin to recognize that God has chosen me to do the things that he's done for his kingdom, and he has, he has been willing to allow me into his family after I was his enemy. That is humbling for me, just like it, just like it is for Paul and what he's talking about. And so Paul's coming at this with like this, this sense of humility. I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. I, I don't deserve this. Mercy... That word, another one of those words that we kind of throw around and we don't think a whole lot about, well, what's it really mean? I know what it means, but I really, if I asked, was asked the definition, whatever. So mercy is leniency, compassion, forgiveness, okay? That God would, God would have leniency on us, that he'd have compassion for us 
That he would have forgiveness for us despite the fact that we sinned against him, despite the fact that we were his enemy. That's huge. That's huge for us today. And he goes on, he says this in verse 15, it says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ, Jesus, came into the world to save sinners. That's, I mean, that's huge for us today. Like, we, we, don't, have to, we don't have to wonder, like, what was, what was God's agenda with sending His only Son to die for us. I mean, we don't, we don't have to wonder. I mean, it's right there. It says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's, I'm going to tell you, that's worth putting on your mirror for you to read every morning. That's worth getting a tattoo of, whatever. Kids, go get your parents get you some tattoos. And that's what you need to put on it, all right? There's some parents coming after me before it's over with. So here's, here's, here's why we need to see that. Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, Chris, I'm, I'm already a believer. If you're sitting here and you're already a believer, you're like, I'm already a believer. I know that's true. We need to be reminded that that's true. And here's why. Because we forget. We forget. We take our salvation for granted, and we forget the work that God wants to do in the people's lives that are around us. Lost neighbors. We have lost neighbors. We live next to some of them. We work with some of them. We play with some of them. We go to school with some of them. Uh, we're related to some of them. And when we see them, and we see this truth of the gospel, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, we are reminded of something. And that's that God loves them, and He wants to use us in their lives. <laughs> Here's the beauty of Paul's statement. So he says, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So Paul's writing this letter to Timothy, and, and he not only says Christ came into the world to save sinners, but he says, and I am the biggest one. I am the numero uno. You already know what I did. Here's my resume. I killed Christians. I did horrible things. I am the worst sinner known to man. And there's a reason. There's a reason that Paul says that God allowed these things to happen to bring it to this point. Here it is in verse 16. He says, but I received mercy for this reason. Okay? I received mercy for this reason. That I am the worst of sinners. That in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. In other words, Paul is saying, and if you're hearing my words, if you're reading my words, and you're sitting there and you're saying, God could never love me because my sin is so great. Paul is saying, no, no, no. My sin is greater, and He had mercy on me. He will save anyone who believes. Anyone who believes. Anyone who believes, and that includes you if you're sitting here today and you've never believed. Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. 
to the king of age of the ages immortal invisible the only god be honor and glory forever and ever amen he says in other words he's like i don't want you guys to think that i did this he's he's saying uh uh not only is this the most amazing thing ever but god did it and he deserves the glory and, and, and there's so many moments in our lives where, where we're guilty of, of like taking the glory for ourselves. We're like, yeah, I did that. You know, look at what I did. You know, well, yeah, we went on a mission trip. I built that. I, you know, whatever. And, and, and the truth is, is that, that God's the one that deserves the glory for the work that he has done. Paul is helping us to see something. He's helping us to see God's favor. His grace. Undeserved. You know, it's, it's undeserved. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you think about, you know, sin actually deserves death. You know, the, the penalty, Scripture teaches us, and maybe you don't know this, but the penalty for sin is death. And, and, and so for us to recognize what God is doing here is basically He sent Jesus to die the death that we deserve for our sin. That if we believe in Him, no longer do we fear death, but we recognize that our hope is not here, and that we will find life in death. Changes how we look at death. Completely changes how we look at death. It means that when we die, we will actually truly live. Paul making... This statement, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, after talking about His mercy, God's mercy, His leniency, His compassion, His forgiveness. So let me throw, let me throw something on the wall for you and see if it sticks. And it may give you heartburn, so I'm just going to warn you. Like good hot chicken should. By the way, I did a wedding yesterday, and they served hot chicken. Bless those people. It was, that, was a great, that was a great wedding. Great wedding. They told me beforehand, I didn't eat all day. Just waited for the wedding. No, so if God shows us that kind of leniency, that kind of forgiveness, that kind of favor uh, that's undeserved, that kind of compassion, and we know that God is calling us to love the people around us in the way that He has loved us. How does that change the relationships that we have in this life? I told you it'd give you heartburn. You see, those people in our lives that have hurt us, that we are angry at, that we are bitter towards... You know, it, it's so funny because I really, truthfully, I don't think I even have to preach a message about bitterness and what that does to us and the, that that sin hurts us, it destroys us inside. It, you know, it really just does a number on us. And if, and if we let it, I mean, it just it gets in the way of our relationship with the Lord. It gets in the way of our happiness. We, we, begin to let, we begin to let people in this world dictate whether or not we're happy or sad or all these things. And, and a lot of it comes down to, well, this person did me wrong, or they, 
you know, they hurt somebody I love or, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and it may be justifiable that you feel hurt. But what's it look like for us to show them compassion? To show them grace? To give them a little leniency? To forgive them? You see... Those things in our heart are sin. And God knows for us better than we know ourselves, which is why He gives us what we have in His Word, that He doesn't want us to continually hurt ourselves by to go on sinning. So, we know that as believers, if you're a believer, we know that uh, if you've trusted in Christ and you've believed in Him, that the, that the blood of Jesus is enough to cover our sins. And, and I mean, Paul, I mean, he... He basically just spells it out for us. He's like, look at me. I'm the worst of them all, and His grace and His mercy are good enough for me. And, 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 and Paul's even saying, I even believe that He's allowed this to happen in my life, that He can use me as an example in the lives of others, that anyone that would believe in Him would have eternal life. Verse 16. So, I bring to you Romans chapter 5. And if you've got your Bible, you want to go to Romans chapter 5. We're going to go to Romans chapter 5 toward the end of that chapter. And you know what's getting serious when we go to Book of Romans, right? So Book of Romans, chapter 5. And we have this verse, and I've actually alluded to this verse a couple of times in the last few weeks. And, and, it, and when I read it you know, this week, I just was like, man, that's got to be a part of this. Because it's, it fits perfectly. It helps us to kind of get a, uh, a handle maybe on our sin and that kind of thing. Because we struggle. We struggle with our sin. We're all sinners. Okay, and we struggle with our sin, and we're like, "Well, I know I'm saved, but I still I'm still struggling with sin." Well, first of all, the blood of Jesus conquered sin for us that we are no longer slaves to it. Now we go back to it, but us going back to it is is you know like a sick person that got well that's like, "Well, I think I'm gonna go back and find that disease again." You know, I mean that's that's kind of that's kind of where we are, you know, with with sin, and we like we know it hurts us, we know that it's not good for us, but in the moment, and and we and we make these little rational, we try to rationalize our sin a little bit, don't we? And and we we kind of do these little numbers like, well, you know, it's just a little thing, and that it's not really going to matter. I mean, the blood of Jesus covers it all anyway. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I mean, just, just go ahead and do it. Be done with it. You know, we'll enjoy it for a minute, and then I'll. I'll ask Jesus for forgiveness later or something. You know, it's kind, of, it's kind of this like, you know, little game that we play. So let's look at what Paul says about that. He says in Romans 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 20, he says, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So this is talking about the law. We're talking about the Old Testament here. The law that they had, that they understood of like what they had to help guide them and what to do, what not to do, and that kind of thing. You know, and, and so they're, they're trying to have this understanding. And Paul is basically saying, now the law, he says, now the law came in to increase the trespass. In other words, to have an, a better understanding of like what's, what is sin and what do we need to stay away from and all that kind of thing. Again, because God understands what will hurt us. It's not some like big game with God of like, here's a rule book and I'm going to see if you can follow it. And, you know, it, you know like he's up there playing like the, uh, the remote control robot thing like you see on TV where they're bat the battle bots. You know, it's not, like, it's not like battle bots, okay? God loves us. He cares for us. And, and then it goes on and says, came in to increase the trespass. And, the, and then Paul says this, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 
In other words, what even may not even be understood as sin, grace has come in to cover even those things. I mean, like even, even in, no matter what it is, grace abounds all the more. And in verse 21 it says, So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so there's that piece about death. And it's sin reigns in death. But for those of us who have trusted in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. And sin is not what reigns in our lives. Christ reigns in our lives. He's our identity. Not that sin that Satan wants us to believe is our identity. That is some horrible thing that's like this thing that we're lugging around or we've got it on our back or whatever. Maybe people know about it or maybe people don't know about it and we're secretly hiding it or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, Paul is basically saying, look, you are no longer a slave to it. Sin reigned in death. Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are no longer slaves to those things. They do not reign in our lives unless we let them. Now Satan wants us to believe that, we're, we're, we, that those things own us, and that's a lie. Okay. So then Romans 6 because the numbers are just things that we put in there, by the way, okay? So we're going to keep going through, through what Paul was writing here. Romans 6, we added the numbers so that we can kind of track what's going on. Romans 6, 1, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may, be, may abound? In other words, he's saying, so are we just supposed to say, well, we know the blood of Jesus covers all sin, so I'm just going to keep on doing what I want to do. I'm just going to keep on sinning. I mean, heck yeah, let's just, you know, here's, here's the truth for you, a little, little, little whatever into, into my life and into my thoughts and my brain. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, if I wasn't a Christian, if I wasn't a believer, I mean, you ever, do you ever think like this? Am I the only one? Like, like if, if, if you just ever find yourself like going, you know, if I wasn't a Christian, I mean, because sometimes like somebody make you mad and be like, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd run that person off the road right now, you know, or whatever. But, you know, I, I have, I've had these thoughts like, if I wasn't a Christian, if I didn't believe in Jesus, if I didn't know that he had saved me and all these things and he has a purpose for my life and he wants me to follow it. And, and I mean, cause, because if, if, I mean, if that weren't true, I mean, everything is out the window. I mean, let's just face it. And, and, and I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'd be a car thief. I mean, I've, I've thought this through. I'm like, man, you know, I mean, I, vicariously lived through Nicolas Cage, gone in 60 seconds, and Eleanor, that's fine and good and, and, and love that. But I'm thinking, man, I, everything's on the internet. I mean, I could learn how to boost any car I want from a YouTube video, I'm pretty sure. Now, I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure it's on there, you know, because you can do everything else through YouTube. And I'm just thinking, you know, I'll you know, just go steal some nice nice cars, and then I would take most of them to a farm out in the middle of Cheatham County, probably some property I don't own, because again, I wouldn't be a Christian, it wouldn't matter to me, and, and I'd build a jump ramp, and I would jump those cars. I'd be, I'd be jumping stolen Lamborghinis out here in the middle of the woods and stuff, you know. Of course, they'd have to haul me out, because I'd need to go to the hospital or something, I guess, but you know, I'd have a bunch of, I'd, have, I'd figure out a way to get a bunch of guys to go with me and watch and be like, get ready to haul me out. You know, Troy, go, I know. So, yeah. But yeah, you know, but, I, but, but that's, you know, and it's funny, you know, it's funny to like think about things like that, but the truth is, is that's, that's actually what we do 
with our life sometimes is like with these little sin, what we what, what we have categorized these little sins that don't matter as much, you know? Like, oh, it's just a little sin, don't matter as much. Jesus' blood covered, we're good, right? So the truth is, God understands that all of that stuff hurts us and that all sin destroys. And he doesn't want that to happen to us. And so Paul's writing, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Are we supposed to just be like, well, I'll just keep on with my sin. It doesn't matter because the blood of Jesus is going to cover it anyway. Verse 2, by no means, he says. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Now, I know you may be sitting there maybe going, Chris, if I was real honest today and we didn't have, you know, 100 people in the room or whatever, you know, to like hear what I'm saying and I was to tell you exactly what's going on in my life, I, I, if I was being honest, Chris, I've got sin that I'm struggling with. And I feel like, I feel like it has control of me. So one of two things right there. Either it does have control on, of you and it's, and it's because you don't really know Jesus, okay? Or number two, you know Jesus and you're believing a lie. It's one or the other. Because the truth is, is that through the blood that Christ shed on the cross, we are no longer slaves if we have believed in Him and what He has done. God sent His only Son he could have done it 10,000 different ways, you know? But at the end of the day, he did it in such a way to pay the penalty on our behalf. He stood, Jesus stood in front of the judge on our behalf and said, I'll take their penalty. Put it on me. For everything they ever have done wrong in their life. For everything that they will ever do wrong in their life. I'll take the, I'll take the brunt. I'll, take, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go to the, I'll go to the death chair. Hang me on the tree instead of them. Show them compassion. Give them forgiveness. That's what God has done for us. And He's done so that we might also be free from our sin. And so for those of us that are struggling, which I would say is probably 100% of us, that are struggling with some sin in our life, let me just encourage us today to be reminded that we are no longer slaves to it. That Christ, Christ has been victorious over it, okay? And, and, and so here's what happens. This, I'm just telling you from my experience in my life, as I spend time with the Lord, not just go to church on Sunday mornings, not just talk every once in a while, but I, when I spend time with the Lord, and, I, and I'll tell you what helps me do this, is having, I have some guys that I meet with, we've been met, meeting for just a few weeks, I've been in several of these groups over the years, I've got three guys I've been meeting with in my basement once a week, for like an hour, hour and a half on late on a Tuesday night. And we're just walking through Scripture together. And we're just talking about God's Word. And we're just saying, what's this, what's this chapter mean to us this week? And when we get done doing that, we look at each other. How can we pray for each other? We pray for each other. And that encouragement alone, i got to tell you, is good for me. And it helps me to see the sin in my life for what it really is. And to say no to it. There's a sin in my life that God has been victorious over for the last couple of weeks that I, I've continued to struggle with my whole life. We all have those things. God wants to be victorious over it. He goes on in verse 3, he says, Do you not know 
that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And I love how he's throwing in to glory to the Father. He's, he's like throwing at it again like, like I, I didn't do this. I didn't do this in my life. Christ did this in my life. God did this in my life. And, and so we have this picture of baptism. And I've got I to bring that up. I've got to talk about it. I can't just like read over the baptism. We're not going to you know, pretend like it wasn't there. The, the picture of baptism is this. And maybe you've never realized this about baptism. Maybe you've seen people be baptized here at 24. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't know why people do that or whatever. So baptism doesn't save you. Okay, Jesus saves you. Okay, uh, that, that's that's all. We can't. We don't add anything to Jesus saving us. All right, uh, but there is something that we've been called to do that we see in Scripture, and it's called baptism. And it's when people we see people in the water. Different churches do it different ways. We do it the way that we do it because of the symbolism that it provides. But also, we just see them do it that way in the New Testament. We're like, we'll just keep doing it that way uh, because it, it's not only just like, hey, let's keep up a tradition. We actually see the death of an old life and the new life that comes. Now, the purpose of baptism is, obviously, there's that symbolism, but it is to publicly announce, hey, I want everybody to know that Christ has saved me. That's what baptism is about. And maybe you've maybe been a Christian for a million years, and you're like, man, I've never been baptized. Well, just tell us. If you want to be baptized, come talk to us about it. We do it anytime. Any Sunday, we will baptize people. We don't care. Uh, we got a couple guys that help get that stuff together, and uh, they'll, they'll gladly do it. We, we enjoy and celebrate uh, the changing lives that Christ, um, that Christ is responsible for. But we see in this passage, we see this picture of the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, and for us, the death of an old person and a new life. And he says, glory to God for that, because he's the one that deserves all the credit. Verse 5, it goes on. It says, For if we have been united with Him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like this. In other words, when, we're, when we die one day, that we will join Him in a resurrection of our own. We will find life in death. Verse 6 goes on, says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin so there it is we are no longer enslaved to sin because of what Christ has done he goes on verse 7 for one who has died has been set free from sin now if we have died with Christ we believe that we will also live with him we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. That's a huge statement for us. Like the work that Jesus has done never has to be done again. We're never going to see like Jesus come back and die on the cross again. Okay? And in fact, if, if, if somebody ever like shows up in the news and, you know, or they tell you, you know, some random you know, whatever person that you meet in the world and they're like, yeah, I'm Jesus. And you're like, yeah. And they, go, they say to you, Yep, and I'm here to die on the cross for you. You can go, you're not Jesus, because Jesus isn't doing that again. He doesn't have to. In fact, it goes on and it says, death no longer has dominion over him. He went to death and defeated it 
It no longer has dominion over him. Huge statement. Verse 10, it says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In other words, he, even he, when Jesus was here, he existed for the glory of the Father. If you notice, like the whole ministry of Jesus, he's pointing people to the Father. He's like, it's all about the Father. It's all about the Father. Verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you to make you obey its passions. In other words, it's, it, this is Paul. You know, he's, Paul is encouraging us. He's saying, look, tell sin no. If you have Christ, if you have the blood of Jesus, if you've been forgiven, if you've gotten that compassion, if you've gotten that leniency, if you've gotten that mercy, tell it no. You're not a slave to it. It's a slave to him. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And basically, it's just Paul saying, hey, don't fall into the trap of the world. Don't fall into any of these traps that, that you know, have been a stronghold on you. You are stronger than it. Because of the blood of Jesus, you can say, no, you are no longer a slave to it. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, and here it comes, but under grace. Under grace. So you're like, wow, that's good stuff. It's good to hear the gospel, isn't it? It's good to hear the grace. It's good to hear the mercy. What happens if we apply it to the relationships we have in our lives? Let me, let me pose this to you. What, what, what would happen if we as a people actually lived on mission, okay, for the other people in our lives? What if we begin to see the people that God has put in our lives as the mission field that He has assigned us to? That's what's called missional living. Those are terms that we throw around sometimes. And that's what we're called to. But you see, that's not the way we look at our week. We're here on Sunday going, okay, here's the stuff I got to do this week because I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to make sure we get this done so I can pay for that and then do this and all these things. And, and at the end of the day, you know, it's not necessarily bad things, just things trying to be responsible and take care of our families. But we're leaving out this huge piece. And if it takes Halloween, <laughs> to get us to kind of go, oh, you, oh, there's, there's an opportunity. Well, I guess we could have some neighbors over, or we could have some people over, and you know, try to minister to them, like love on them, not not just have a party, but begin to build relationships. I mean, it takes takes time. If you're if you're talking about if you're talking about wanting to reach your literal neighbors, the people that live right around you, chances are it's going to take time. Chances are you're going to have to begin building a relationship with them. They're going to begin to trust you. You're going to have them over more. You mean like, oh, Chris, we've got to open up our home more. Well, I mean, that's what Scripture says to do with it. Close it down. That's not in Scripture, you know? It's an investment that we make in the lives of others. You're like, Chris, I don't, we don't have time for that. We don't have resources for that. I, 
I'm here to tell us today, if those are the answers to those questions for us this morning, then, then we're not living for the kingdom of God. We're living for the kingdom of us. Because here's this beautiful thing that happens. So let's take those really bad relationships we have in our life. Let's say it's the, the neighbor that's mad at you for the barking dog, or they built a fence so that they don't have to look at you, or whatever it is. And you know, like everybody knows, it's like, I don't want to talk to that guy because, you know, he's crazy and, you know, he's whatever, you know, and all this. Listen, what, what would it look like? What would it look like if we applied the same grace and the same mercy that God has given to us? To those people in our life? What if we showed them the same compassion? What if we showed them the same leniency? What if, about to blow your mind, get ready for it, those people that have really upset you in this world, what if you forgave them? What if you let go of the bitterness? What if you let go of the anger? What kind of terrible life would that be? We see Scripture teaching us how to truly live. That's how we can truly live. And you may say, Chris, you don't, you don't know the situation. You don't, you don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. No, no, no. Let me, let, me, let me throw something at you. You may not have all the words, and you may not know exactly how to go about doing it, but I promise you this, if you start praying toward this, even if you just start praying, God, lead me in what it looks like, to love these people and care for these people, let me tell you what's going to happen. He's going to begin to lay things on your heart. He's going to create opportunities for you. You're going to have opportunities to show those people. I'm not saying you're going to give them the keys to your house, but I'm going to say that you're going to have opportunities to begin to show them compassion. You're going to begin to be able to show them forgiveness, small ways, little ways, over time, and it's going to blow their mind. And here's why. Because it is only because of the love of God that we could possibly do that. And His love has power. My love and your love, I mean, it's pretty good. You know, it's not bad. God's love is powerful and it changes lives. He plucked a Christian killer out of his own life and said, hey, you, I'm going to blind you and I'm going to show you some amazing things and I'm going to show you who Jesus really is and I'm going to save you today and turn you around to use you for my kingdom. Don't you think that he can take your barking dog neighbor or your crazy aunt and change their life for the kingdom of God too? I know he can. I know he can. We got to get past the bitterness and the other stuff. Truth, truth is, we know that stuff is hurting us and it's killing us inside and it's, and it's actually interfering with our relationship with the Lord. And he's saying, Look, I love you and I have saved you and I have given you all the mercy and grace and forgiveness that I possibly can. Just give it to those other people too and you too will see what it's like to truly live. I'll close on this. I, I, think, I think we miss something in our lives. I, I go in my basement. I'm in my basement all the time. I work down there a lot at night. And uh, I'm surrounded by all this junk. 
And in it, that's what it is. It's just a bunch of junk at the end of the day. And some people get mad when I call it junk, which I kind of enjoy, uh, but whatever, uh, you know. And it's, you know, it's machines and things that we have restored over the years. And I mean, some, you know, amazing pieces, honestly. And, and then I got a car down there. I've got a 67 Mustang down there. And it was restored years ago by somebody else. And, you know, it, it, it's just, and I love that stuff. You know, I enjoy it or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's just junk. And so, um, but one of the things that I forget a lot of times is when I, like, I look, I look at my car and I can immediately tell you like everything that's wrong with it, you know, that, because that's, that's the way we work, right? You know, it's like, oh, that thing needs this, it needs that, I need to do this, I need to do that. I started changing the interior on that thing to black five years ago. It's still not done. I'm like, I'm not even halfway done with it. I was like, we started on it and just left it. I'm like, I'll just drive it and enjoy it. So, but you know, I mean, we forget the process of the restoration. We forget about how much work went into something to get it to where it is right now. I don't think about that with that car. I walk by that car every day, and the last thing on my mind is like, man, I mean, the man hours to restore that car were enormous. And here's the truth. We forget about the restoration that God has done in our lives since that day that He called us son or daughter. And over all that period of time, little by little, He has changed us and He has molded us and He has shaped us into being what we are today. Glory to God for that. Glory to God that we would see the restoration in our own lives that we could recognize that those people that we might have a grudge against or that we don't think that we can stand or we don't think we could ever you know, live peacefully next to them or whatever, that God might show us today that He wants to restore them to. And that we too were once just like them. How dare we ever think any otherwise? We were once his enemies, and he made us his family. And what would it look like for God to begin to work in the lives of others through us with people in our lives that might be our enemies right now that we might make them family, that God might save them because his love is powerful enough to do it. The question is, is do we believe? Or do we just like saying we believe? God wants to use us for His glory and for His kingdom. I don't know that there is a greater way on the face of this planet for God's love to show up and show out than in those moments when we allow Him to work through us to show that grace and to show that mercy. May we be a people who live for His kingdom and not our own. May we actually look for those opportunities and we begin those relationships because we recognize that they may have a need and that need may be the greatest need of their life. It may be that they need Jesus. And the last time I checked, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, how could we not 
God, for what you've done for us is absolutely amazing. Father, I, I just pray this morning that you would lead us, guide us to being the people you've called us to be. God, help us to overcome those things in our lives. God, as, even as we, Lord, remember you and the sacrifice made on the cross in the next few moments, God, even there, I pray, Lord, that we would see the faces of those people that you've placed in our lives that don't know you, that you have called us to be Jesus to them. Lord, help us in that today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it guides us. God, be glorified in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Chris.